If you're up on Facebook today, I gave you a little inkling as to what was coming. We're going to be taking a look at the Millennial Kingdom, what it's about, what our role will be, things along those natures. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. The kingdom that is to come, the Millennial Kingdom, is not going to be subject to angels. Angels are not going to rule over the Millennial Kingdom, is what he's saying. Now, of course, we know the end result he gets to is that, that man and Jesus Christ will be the rulers of that kingdom. Of course, Jesus is the overall ruler. We would be the under rulers, not angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You, are crowned, you have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every one. Now here's the, the mystery that Hebrews brings out, is that the world that is to come is going to be not going to be ruled by angels. It will be ruled by Jesus Christ as the head, and then we will be underneath that. The first Adam, when he came into this earth, he did not sin. Sin had no rule over him, and he was given reign over the earth. The Lord Jesus said to him, rule, rule over the earth, and, uh, and he did not. When Satan came in, he had the authority to tell Satan to get out, and he didn't do it. If he would have, we wouldn't be in this mess, but he didn't do it. But he did not sin and was given authority, rulership over the earth. When he did sin, he gave that authority and rulership over to Satan. Jesus Christ came into this world. He did not sin. And he was given authority over this earth. Now, here's the real mystery. Man has sinned and has been given authority over the earth. So the first Adam did not sin, was given authority over the earth. The second Adam did not sin but was given authority over the earth. The us, still man, we sinned and have been given authority over the earth through Jesus Christ. Now that's a real mystery. I'm sure that baffled Satan when he saw that one coming around. So we fell to sin and have been given rulership over the earth through his name. And it's through this time of rulership in his name that we are training to rule and to reign with him in the coming kingdom. So there's a training ground that is going on here to get ready for the coming kingdom. And so as I was pondering this, I said, when was the last time we really spent any time on the millennial kingdom to discuss it, to really know what it is? Because if we are in training for the millennial kingdom and we don't fully understand the millennial kingdom, how do we know what it is that we're doing that is our training? It could very easily be that we bypass the things that are important because we think they're not going to be part of the millennial kingdom. And so I'm not going to focus on that. And yet, if those things are part of the millennial kingdom, we're not going to be prepared. And we won't be put into positions that we, we need to be put into. So we need to know, to know something about this millennial kingdom that is coming. What are the aspects of it? I mean, really, what are you going to do in the millennial kingdom? Are you going to go to the mall and go shopping? Are you going to have a, have a job? 
I mean, what are these? What is it that's what's going to take up our time? We've got a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. Is there going to be vacation time? Is there going to be weekends off? Is there going to be church services to go to on Sunday? I mean, what kind of things are going on in the millennial kingdom? So what's this kingdom going to be like? So we're going to go through some of the scriptures. What's really odd about this is the book of Revelation describes the end, dedicates three verses to the millennial kingdom. Three verses to, to the millennial kingdom. Most of the time is spent on what comes before and what comes after the millennial kingdom. Very little on the millennial kingdom itself. So if you want to find out about the millennial kingdom, we have to go to other places. So one of those places is Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This is a very familiar verse to you. We'll read this for you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, for the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with the judgment and justice from, what time, from, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, you have probably read over this verse of Scripture many a Christmas. But do you see the description of the millennial kingdom in there? Now, what this is talking about is that he is coming with a kingdom. This is describing Messiah when he comes with the kingdom. So let's take a look at what he has to say about this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, when he came the first time, the government wasn't upon his shoulder. When he comes the second time, the government's going to be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of all the names that you could call him, why is it that we single out these particular names? Throughout the Word of God, he's been called many names. Why is it here we, ha we are singling out these particular names? There must be something significant about these names that we put it upon Jesus Christ as he comes with his kingdom with the government on his shoulder. Wouldn't you say so? So the first word, the first thing that we come to is wonderful. Wonderful. How many of you can think of past presidents during your lifetime and you think back with fondness of that president? And then you think of other presidents and you think of that president. You don't have fondness for that president. You don't have fondness for those times. And I'm sure we all may have different ones. I have my particular favorite president. I'm sure you have a particular favorite president. Maybe they overlap. Maybe they don't. But whatever it is, the thing that's going to describe this particular king when he comes is that we are all going to call him wonderful. We're going to have thoughts of him. Oh, he's such a wonderful ruler. Can you imagine having a ruler who satisfies everybody? <laughs> Everyone just thinks, man, this is great. That means no one's left in the lurch. No one's forgotten. Everybody thinks that when you think of Jesus, oh, wonderful. This is the word that comes to us. This is describing the kingdom. So for a thousand years, we're going to have a rulership that the, the description for it is wonderful. Every person is going to look fondly upon this so that his name will be wonderful. 
Or you don't stop there. It goes on. What's the second name we put in that list? Counselor. counselor. What does a counselor do? You call, when, do, when do you call upon a counselor? When you need help. When an issue that you have is greater than your ability. When you are puzzled by the choices that you have. When you are in a dilemma that you cannot seem to overcome. You go and you find a counselor. By putting this name upon the head of the ruler of the millennial kingdom, this would tell us that there are situations going to come up for which we need counsel. Does that fit your description that you've had up till now of the millennial kingdom? How many of us think of the millennial kingdom, everything is perfect? Everything, no problems. No problems. No problems. Everything works. You buy a car in the beginning of the millennial kingdom and it never breaks down. It just runs the whole time. It never needs gas. We're thinking about all these things. And yet, one of the names that's put upon the ruler of the millennial kingdom is counselor. And the only reason you need a counselor is when an issue comes up that is greater than your wisdom. Take a look at the next one. Mighty God. Mighty God. Which means His strength is going to be on display. How can you call Him Mighty God if He never demonstrates His strength? So will there not be situations that will come up for which His strength will be required? For which we would say once He exercises that strength, Oh, what a mighty God. What's that? He's just <laughs> No, he's not he's not gonna kill spiders. <laughs> mighty God. Mighty He is gonna do some things that are going to, we're going to look at in whatever greater ability we have in the millennial reign, we're going to look at and we're gonna say, Wow. If he was acting on the same level as we were, why would we call him mighty God? But he's going to be doing some things that are going to set him apart as being mighty God. Wow. What a mighty God. Now, when we think of mighty God, I, one of the things I think about is going back to the Old Testament and the children of Israel. When they were in the time of the wilderness, when they were going into the promised land, when they were in Egypt and the plagues came, and when the, when the plagues came to show who was God, what do we say? Oh, what a mighty God. When it came to the Red Sea, and he parts the Red Sea, we say, mighty God. When bread comes from heaven, when water is coming, coming from rocks, we say, mighty God. When the walls of Jericho fall down, we say, mighty God. There are going to be, I don't know what they are. Again, there's not a whole lot on this, but there's going to be some things going on in the millennial kingdom for which we will say, wow, mighty God. So there are going to be some things that go on in the kingdom for which we need the strength that is greater than human strength, probably greater than angelic strength, strength that needs mighty God. What is it that we could possibly face that we would need the strength of a mighty God? 
I don't know. Now, we just finished the tribulation period. During that tribulation period, one of the things that happened during the tribulation period was that stars were falling from heaven. Right? Meteors were coming down and crashing on the earth. And we've, had, we've all seen the movies. You know, we're sending the, the missiles, we're sending the, the uh, shuttle up there to take care of the asteroids before they come here and land on the earth. We're going to go up there and blow them up. What if God just demonstrates his might and says, all right, that one's trying to come here. Go watch this, guys. Flicks it away. What would we say? Mighty God. Mighty God. There's going to be some stuff going on. We had had, um, volcanoes blowing up mountains in the tribulation period. We have not remade the earth yet. The earth is still the same earth, which means there is probably still volcanic activity. But if we're going to have a mountain that's about ready to blow up, and God says, watch this. And he does something to it and neutralizes the whole thing or takes care of it however he takes care of it. And it's done. What will you say? Mm. Mighty God. Wow. Remember, a lot of the people that are in this kingdom went through the tribulation. They saw this stuff. And here is Jesus Christ just taking care of these things. There is going to be stuff that's going to happen during the millennial kingdom. This is before the new earth, before the new heaven. It's going to be stuff for which he will be able to demonstrate he is mighty God. Which means there's going to be some problems for which he will stand up and take care of by his might. And we will stand back and say, mighty God, mighty God. Now in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, every time they faced a problem in which they needed a mighty God, they grumbled and complained. And we will have the opportunity to say, God, there's a problem. Well, we know that you can take care of this because you are mighty God. (laughs) And we'll sit around there singing mighty God. What's the fourth name? Everlasting Father. Well, what are the traits of a father? A father provides provision, protection, love. So if we're we're calling him Father, then we're going to be seeing some traits of a father. We're going to be seeing that people all over the earth are provided for. Somehow. I would assume called father what kind of a father would he be if he didn't uh, make sure that all the kids were fed what kind of a father would he be if all the kids weren't protected what kind of a father would he be if he didn't love all the kids that were on the face of the earth so there's going to be aspects of the father that we're going to see prince of peace prince of peace which means and we already know this about the millennial kingdom never before has there been peace all over the earth but there will be peace all over the earth. And people will say, I've never seen such peace. We're used to wars. We're used to wars over here and wars over here and rumors of wars and people threatening to go in wars and people throwing missiles up in the air to see what they might hit. This is what we're used to. And it's not going on. So we have these things, five names, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace which has to describe some of the aspects that go on in the millennial reign 
if this is what we're going to call him. He then goes on and says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now look at that verse carefully. Of the increase. Isn't that word kind of particular? Isn't that kind of interesting to use the word increase? Which means when we start the millennial reign, it will not be the same as it is at the end. That the, the um, read it again, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His government is going to increase. Who is his government? Wouldn't that be the people that are under him? Wouldn't that be the people that carry out the things that he, he says to do? We're going to show you more about that here in just a little bit. But of the increase of his government, what I want you to see from this verse is the government increases. How it starts is not how it ends. If you had the picture of the millennial reign, that it starts out exactly the same as it will be 50 years in, 100 years in, 500 years in, you are wrong. Because what he is saying is that there will be an increase. If there's going to be an increase, that's a change. So we see of the increase of his government and peace, there, is, there will be no end. There will be no end to the peace. The peace will just continue on. No matter what comes up that you might think maybe this will disrupt the peace, nope, keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Now look at that. He's going to establish it with what? Judgment and justice. If you need to exercise judgment in the millennial kingdom, wouldn't that seem to indicate that everything is not quite perfect? Why are you exercising judgment if everyone does what is right? If everyone does what is good? Why do we need judgment? Why does anyone need to stand there and do judgment? Wait till we get to the end. Wait till we get to the end. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Now we look at that word justice and we think, of course, if there's justice, it must be injustice. Because that's what we're used to. If there's judgment, there must be some unhappy people. Because if you had the judgment rule against you, how many of you are probably not happy? So how's that possible? I mean, that just doesn't quite jive with how we've been thinking about the millennial reign. We're thinking millennial reign, everybody gets along. Everybody likes each other. Everybody's happy. Hmm. To order it, to order it, Order needs to be established. Folks, if there is no head, if there is no authority, there is no order. So him by being the head exercises order. Exercising judgment and justice keeps that order in place. Because just having every man do what is right in his own eyes will lead to what? The book of Judges. That's not a good time. 
So during his reign, he will exercise judgment. You are not going to do what is right in your own eyes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to some of the examples we have in the Word of God, because that's the only place we can go is what we, what we got. Remember in the, with, with Moses. Moses was probably the closest thing we had to Jesus Christ ruling over a kingdom that we ever seen. I mean, can you, get, can you think of anyone better as a ruler than Moses? As far as men are concerned. I can't think of anybody better. He went to God. God told him what to do. He went out there and he did it. He met and talked with God face to face. No one else had ever done that. All the people get mad at him. And he still pray for them. I mean, there's the, I, don't, I can think of no one better than Moses. And so Moses is a good one for us to look for. Look too. So Moses exercised judgment and justice over the people of Israel. And so what he would do was he would go out there and he'd sit down and listen to the cases. And he'd say, you're right, you're wrong. That's how it goes. And he pronounced judgment over the thing. And then the next one would come. And the next one would come. Now we never hear, I don't know that there wasn't, but we never hear that any of the children of Israel murmured and grumbled and complained that his judgments were wrong. That's pretty remarkable for all the things that they grumbled and complained about. Never heard them one time complaining that his judgments were wrong. So that's pretty remarkable. But Jethro, remember he came there in Exodus chapter 18. And he's watching this thing. He says, what you're doing is not good. This is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear out the people. You've got to quit this. What you need to do is raise up some people. Train them up how to do it. And let them take on some of the load. And if they get to something that's too great for them to rule over, they bring that matter to you. But if it's something they can take care of, you let them take care of it. And so that's what was, what was done. Some people were, were raised up and they were trained in what to do. And now we have more judges. And if a case came and they was, it was too great for them, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to bring this thing about. They brought that case to Moses. And then Moses decided it. All right, well, if that's the case we have in the Old Testament, what do you think about the New Testament or the, or the millennial reign? Who is ruling and reigning with him? The church. What are we going to do? Well, apparently, we're going to help out in this justice and judgment thing. Because we're going to be able to take on some of these things and, and help out in the judgment and decide which way this ought to go. What was right, what was wrong. And we're going to pronounce judgment on it. And if it's too great for us, I'm not quite sure. We want to make sure that we, we get the right judgment. And it's not quite clear to me. I'm going to move it on up. And so maybe there's somebody above me. And I bring it to them. And they can maybe settle it. But if not, then we take it up above that. And if not, we'll take it all the way up to Jesus Christ. And let Him decide. But the picture I get of this when I go over it is, is this. When people bring it, it's, it's not that people are mad at each other and ready to tear each other's heads off. It's that one thinks... Well, I, th- I think this is the better way to go. And I think this is the better way to go. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take it to somebody who's a little bit better than both of us and let's let them decide. You know what? That's a great idea. And so they both bring it to this person and this person says, I see that and I see I, this is going to be the better way to go. And they both just say, okay. Because they're not out there seeking their own well-being. They're out there seeking the well-being of the whole thing. And see that, but they both were, were seeking that to begin with. But one was thinking it was going to be this way and one was thinking it was going to be this way. But they had no problem yielding their will 
to the way that Jesus Christ set it up. So we don't come out of there fighting. We come out of there saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and do it this way. But you see, the, the judges are going to, we want to make sure we get it right. And if it's not clear to me which way is right, I'm going to move that up. And so during the millennial reign, we're going to have situations that come up. What kind of situations might come up? We'll get into that here in a little bit. We haven't hit all the scriptures yet on, on these things. We're just on the, we're really just on the first one, aren't we? <laughs> so Jethro is one. How about David? One of the complaints, and, and Jesus Christ here is being related to the kingdom of David. And one of the complaints that came about the kingdom of David was there were not enough judges to hear the cases. Absalom stood at the gate and he said, Oh, if only I was made a judge, I would hear your case and I would decide for you. Now he was doing his wrong. He was doing it for selfish gain. But one of the things we saw that was a problem with David's kingdom was there were not enough judges, not enough people in place to decide matters. So with Jesus Christ, he's going to have lots of people set up and ready to make judgments and to do the things that are necessary. Now that's all just from the one scripture. Let's go on and see what the rest of the scriptures have to say about this. Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Power and peace will be in his kingdom. Again, power and peace. How do we demonstrate power? There must be a force that comes against him in which his power is needed to neutralize it. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be the case? Power and peace will be in his kingdom and will continue to grow forever. Power is going to grow. Peace is going to grow. So that power could be what's demonstrated in him or what's demonstrated through us by his name or working for his, his government. But his power and peace will continue to grow forever. He will, be, he will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. And he will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness from now on and forever. So the kingdom is going to be made stronger by justice and goodness. So this is going to continue to be put into the kingdom. He is going to continually put goodness. He's going to continue to put justice into the kingdom. And justice will, con- will come about. Now right now, everybody has their own view of justice. And justice is what I want. Justice is what, is what I think ought to happen. And we can become self-seeking. Or we become cause-oriented. But Jesus Christ is raising up people who are not going to be cause-oriented. They're going to be kingdom-oriented. Now, see, that's one of the tests we have for us right down here. Because we have lots of justice, lots of judgments that go on. And are you training yourself up to be a judge for a cause? Or are you training yourself up to be a judge for the kingdom? Those that are in his kingdom keep getting distracted by causes. And lose sight of justice because of a cause, will be rejected in this rulership until they grow out of it. You won't be able to rule with this. You'll be one of those that's ruled over. But if God is going to pull just the, uh, people out to be judges, who's he going to get? 
The people who in this world were not persuaded by causes, who were not persuaded by something that benefited themselves, who were not persuaded by things they saw through their eyes. Remember the word of God? Every man's way is right in his own eyes. What you need to do down here, and this is one of the things we ought to be spending time on, is getting yourself to see a view from another person's viewpoint. Because if you can do that, you're in training for the kingdom. If you don't, you're not. If you can only see things, how they benefit you, how it changes your, your thing or the cause that you feel important about, you're not in training for the kingdom. In fact, God's looking at that and says he's not, he's not getting over it. Let's keep watching him. Give him some more things. Let's see if he can get over this. If, we, if I keep getting sucked into a cause... Instead of in the kingdom. Now I'm showing myself I'm not worthy. I'm not ready yet. And so God says when it comes time to decide who's going to be the judges in the kingdom. Well, Steve's not because he kept being distracted by these causes. Can't use him yet. Maybe in a new kingdom I could learn. But how much better to learn now? See, what we do in this life determines what we're going to do in the next determines our placement. Does peer pressure move us to have a, a, a judgment on a, on a cause? Or are we going to stand up for what the Word of God says? So he will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness from now on and forever. So if he was to bring a, a judge in who would not do this, what would happen to the strength of his kingdom? It would weaken. And that's the same thing in this life. Any kingdom, any, any entity that does not rule with justice and goodness will grow weaker. We don't want to, we don't want to do that. So once an organization grows weaker, then it bullies. We're not here to bully. That's not our, that's not our goal. How many of you all know that there's even churches out there that bully not how we're supposed to do things. God doesn't bully us, and certainly He could. He could bully us into obeying. Yeah. Slap you around till you do what you're supposed to do. He could do it. But He doesn't. And if He doesn't, we shouldn't. The Lord All-Powerful will do this because of His strong love for His people. There is a love for His people. How many... How many on the earth are his people? All of them. You see, right now, we get motivated by, by a strong love for family. We get motivated for a strong love for those who see Jesus as the healer or see worship the way we see worship. Or we have a strong love for people who are Eagles fans and not Cowboys fans. We can have things along the... You can't have that. Because he has a strong love for people. And that's what we have to grow into. If we can down in this earth with all the muck and all the stuff going on, if we can learn how to rise above the ranks and become a judge that is not swayed by causes, that is not swayed by personal gain, that is not swayed by 
anything outside of the kingdom and outside of the Word of God. If I can get myself down to be that kind of a judge, that kind of a person who's, who pursues justice, I am preparing myself in this life for what is to come. The Lord All-Powerful will do this because of His strong love for the people. There was a... Um, I didn't get to it yet. We probably haven't gotten there yet. I want to make sure that I have a couple of versions of, of things to help clarify. And there, there is one of them. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Let's read that again. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now look at this New Century Version. Power and peace will be in his kingdom and will continue to grow forever. Power and peace will be in his kingdom and he will, conti- and will continue to grow forever. He will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. He will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness from now on and forever. The Lord All-Powerful will do this because of his strong love for his people. Now in Revelations 20, 4 Five and six is the only description we have of the millennial kingdom. The three verses before it talk about binding up Satan for that period of time. But four, five, and six are all we have for, for that. I just want to read to you this part of verse four. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. So out of the three verses we have for the description of the millennial kingdom that is given to John, we are talked about thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed. We're not talking about throne as in the one that Jesus Christ sits on. We're talking about thrones. When Jesus was down here with his disciples, did he not refer to thrones that they would sit upon? And there are probably others that are going to be sitting on thrones because they're going to be involved in the judgment. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top, on top of the mountains and shall be exalted over the hills. And all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. So in this verse of scripture, we are relating learning his ways will cause us to walk in his paths. So in the millennial kingdom, we need to, or there are people there that need to learn his ways in order to walk in his paths. So one of the things besides judgments and justice that will be done is teaching. And some of it will be done by Jesus himself. But beside that, it seems that there might be others raised up to teach as well. How many want to have Paul as a teacher? That'd be all right. Sit under Paul and come on, Paul, teach us something. This would be good. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Well, if there's law, that means that there's, there's good and bad, right and wrong. We're just going to be living in a world where most people, all people, decide to do what's right instead of someone deciding to do what's wrong. 
There won't be the struggle between right and wrong. Be, I just want to learn what's right. When I learn what's right, I'm going to do what's right. We haven't been in a world like that. But that's the kind of world we're going to be in. But they still need to learn what's right. So if they need to learn what's right, then we can see where the judgment comes in because I don't know all the things that are right. Because I don't know all the things that are right, I don't know all His ways. And because I don't know all His ways, I come to a place where I don't know what to do. And so I bring that to somebody who makes a judgment on it. It helps me to do the right thing. Can you see where that's going on? Let's go on. Verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. This is the millennial kingdom. Why are we rebuking people? It's supposed to be all perfect. Everybody getting along. Everybody loving each other. Nobody dying. Nobody getting sick. I mean, what's going on here? Why are people being rebuked? Why do you rebuke people? Because they did something wrong, right? Now, as a father or mother in a household, and there's rebuking of the kids, not that there's any evil in the kids when you rebuke them, but sometimes they do something that they don't realize is going to cause harm in the end. And so you stop that. No. (laughs) And we say those things. We rebuke them, and they say, oh, what's going on? No, if you do that, you will hurt. You will. And we, we tell them, oh, I didn't know that. And they stop. See, a rebuke doesn't have to mean that somebody is, is uh, coming against God. It just means they don't know what to do and they did the wrong thing. Don't run out in the street without looking. Why not? A car could be coming and it'll hurt you. Okay, mommy. Okay, daddy. And then we, we learn. Why did we learn? Because I was rebuked. Don't touch the hot stove. Why not? It will burn you. Okay. Thank you, Mommy. Right? Don't just eat cookies for dinner. <laughs> Why not? See, there's, there's rebukes you can do that don't mean that you're striking someone down or they're trying to do evil. They just don't know. And so there's going to be some rebukes that go on. And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. And they shall... Beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Gonna, no one's going to learn no war. We're not raising up armies. I've got a sword. What am I going to do with this? I don't need it anymore as a sword. And so we're going to change that sword into what? Plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. If I am going to take the time to take a sword and bang it out into a plowshare and take a spear and bang it out to become a, uh, what do you call it? Pruning. (laughs) Pruning hook. If I'm going to take the time to do that, doesn't it mean those things are needed? So in the millennial kingdom, I don't need swords and spears, but I do need pruning hooks, plowshares. Those things, that's farming equipment. That's farming equipment. Why do we need farming equipment? And that brings us to this next part, this next scripture. What will we do in the kingdom? Book of Amos, chapter 9, verse 11. On that day I will rise up 
raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. On that day, what day? The millennial reign. When we, in the day of the millennial reign, what's he going to do? I'm going to raise up. We talked about this when we were talking about the new uh, temple. But the tabernacle of David is the one he's going to resurrect. Not the, top, the, not the uh, temple of Solomon. The tabernacle of David. He's going to build it up. It's, uh, he says it's fallen down and repair its damages. What's that mean to repair its damages? It means God's not just saying, be fixed. That's not going to happen. You know how it's going to get fixed? <laughs> Corey, I need you to raise up a team. I need a team of guys. We need to... We need, we're going to talk about what we need to do. We're going to need, we're going to need people over here to do some heavy lifting. Might even be that God even says, Corey, we, we need some paint on there. Can you take care of that? He says, you know what? I got some training on that. I got it covered. I know exactly what to do. <laughs> Could be. He says, he might say, Corey, put this on Facebook. I went the whole world to see what's going on. Whatever it might be. But you see, that it's not, he's not, he is not speaking this thing just to be done. He says, on that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair... It's damages. I will, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes. Missing a, missing a word on my thing. Got my old, old, old style thing. I left my... My nice electronic device back home. And the treader of grapes. Him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. So, we got crops, we got wine. In the millennial reign. Now, before you, before you think, well, that's wrong. Remember Jesus at the Last Supper? What did he say to his disciples? Of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in my kingdom. Folks, there is wine in millennial kingdom. If you all like wine, you should be happy. I can't stand it. I hope I get a pass and don't have to drink it. <laughs> it might be. I just don't like it. But um, it'll be fine. Oh. I don't know if we'll have Diet Coke in the, in the New Kingdom. It doesn't talk about coffee, iced tea, but it does talk about wine. Apparently, there's going to be wine. There's going to be treader of grapes. Him who sows the seed mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel, and they shall build... Who shall? They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. So in other words, if you want a place to live, you better be working. Because during the tribulation, what happened to all the cities? They got busted up. I mean, if the bombs weren't blowing them up, if the war wasn't blowing them up, 
then you got all those things from the meteorites and all the things from all the volcanic eruptions and all the other stuff that we saw going on with the bowls and the trumpets. and the, So a lot of destruction went on. And apparently, we're going to rebuild it. We're going to be building buildings and cities. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. And I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So here's two things we know that are going on. Rebuilding and farming. Rebuilding and farming. Now, doesn't talk about any of this, but how much supporting roles are inside of rebuilding? You've got people who make equipment to rebuild. Because again, if you are rebuilding, if you are building them, and you're gonna, you need plowshares, and you need pr- uh, the, the, the pruning hooks, you need farm equipment, then more than likely you need building equipment. You can't just say, be a house. Rocks come together. So you're probably going to be making dump trucks and lifting equipment and backhoes and things along. So you're going to have companies out there that are probably making these things. The millennial kingdom is a time of work. It is a time of work. They'll be rebuilding. Now once we get all the cities rebuilt... What are we going to do? Because it doesn't take a thousand years to rebuild cities or houses or temples. Well, the farming is going to keep on going on. You're going to keep on farming. Here's the nice thing. You won't have any pests. Nothing's going to come along and ruin your crops. When you plant them, they're coming. That part's going going to happen. So farming is going to be a whole lot nicer. But if you're going to farm, and you're going to, I mean, if you're going to plow shares and all, why not keep having the tractors? Maybe John Deere is still going to be around. <laughs> so you're going to have people that are working in the John Deere factory probably to help the farmers to produce the, the stuff that goes on. So rebuilding the farming, all the industries that go on to support them are going to be happening too. Doesn't say anything about having Wall Street, insurance companies, stuff like that. Don't know that we have those things in place. But we do know they have these two things. Now, let's go on over here. Amos chapter 9, verse 13. I want to read this to you from here before we go on. The Lord says, The time is coming when there will be all kinds of, there will be all kinds of food. People will stir, will still be harvesting crops. When it's time to plow again. People will still be taking the juice from grapes when it's time to plant again. Wine will drip from the mountains and pour from the hills. I just wanted to put the, I'll give, read that for you so you can get a little better idea than how it's put. Put up uh, verse 13 in the New King James and let's read it this way. Verse 13, New King James. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. That may not be real clear to us. So here's what it says here. The time is coming when there will be all kinds of food. People will, will still be harvesting crops when it's time to plow again. And the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, 
The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow from it. And the New Century Version puts it this way. People will still be taking the juice from grapes when it's time to plant again. Wine will drip from the mountain and pour from the hills. So abundance will come to everyone who, who plants. So there will be eating. There will be drinking. And there will be a need for buildings. There will be a need for buildings. Why do we need buildings? If everything is so perfect, why don't we all just sleep under the stars? You still need a house. You're going to still have things to put it in. You're still going to have some privacy. And there's nothing in here that says that rain will stop. So there's still going to be times of rain. Because that's how the earth functions right now. The earth is going to keep on functioning the way that it has. We do not have the new heaven and new earth until after the thousand year millennium. After the thousand year millennium, we remake the, we remake the whole thing. But not until then. We remake it all. So all over there will be land. No oceans. If there are no oceans, there's no rain. There's no hurricanes. There's no redistribution of heat. None of that's needed. All the water comes from one source and it waters the entire earth. We have all this land now. Land is a killer of hurricanes. If they hit the land, they die. We're going to have just land. Whether the firmament is put back in place or not, hurricanes will not be on the earth in the new heaven and new earth. But during the millennia, will they still be there? I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. But the earth hasn't changed, so more than likely, hurricanes will still be there. Can you imagine if a hurricane comes up and it's coming over to Florida? And God says, be gone. And the whole thing just, what would we say? Mighty God. (laughs) Apparently he's not going to say that. He's going to say, build it. (laughs) Build it. All right, Isaiah 65. Now, here's a verse about the coming, coming order. Coming king. Did I read all the verses in, the, in Amos? Yes. Yes. All right, good. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. The new heaven and new earth is going to be so good, you will not even think of the old one. You're not even going to think, man, I remember times when we had oceans, and we had waves, and we used to go underneath the oceans, and we'd see these creatures, and oh, it was so much fun. No, not going to happen. It'll be so good. You will not even think of how it was before. But I want you to see some things inside this because it's going to shock you a little bit to tell you a little bit more about what's going on in the Millennial Kingdom. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For a child shall not die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses 
and inhabit them. In the new heaven and new earth, folks, you will be building houses. Why? Because your old one you built is gone. When He made the new heaven and new earth, the house you built in that millennium, destroyed, gone, wiped out. You've got to build a new one. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. In the new heaven and new earth, you'll still be harvesting. They shall not build and, an, and another inhabit. No, if you build it, you get to keep it. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. What? Bring forth children? For they shall be... For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Alright, so that's telling us that in a new heaven and new earth there are children, there are offspring. If there are children and offspring in this world and children and offspring in the world yet to come, what do you think is going on in the millennium? Have you ever heard that debate? Are kids being born in the millennium? Well, if there's kids being born now and there's still kids being born in the new heaven and new earth, why would we think that they stop in the millennial reign? All right, you're ready there. Now, we don't have anything that says that it goes on in the millennial reign. I'm just showing you this. It's still going on in the new, the new heaven and new earth. There are still offspring. They're still children. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. In other words, no delay. No delay. There's no hindrance. The devil is gone. The wolf and lamb shall feed together. Now, I think we read, the, at least we're supposed to have read, if I, if I skipped it, in the millennial reign, this is the same thing. The, the, the children putting their hands in the vipers, then and all that sort of stuff. The wolf and the lamb shall, shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. And they, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my body, in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. That's going to be like it was before. The animals aren't eating each other. Snakes aren't biting each other. Or you. Kids can, in one of the verses of Scripture, I don't, I don't remember reading it, but I was supposed to. They, uh, the kids can sit right down and play right next to the cobra. Well, that means there's kids. So there's houses and vineyards, children and offspring. If these things are part of the final kingdom, why would they depart from the millennial kingdom? Again, I'm not telling you that they definitely are based on this. I'm just telling you, why would they? We don't have anything that says that they are, but we do have something that says that in the next kingdom, in the new heaven and new earth, there are offspring and there are children. Where do they come from? Now, doesn't Jesus say, you misunderstand? All right. Apparently, there's still some more stuff we don't understand because there are children going on. When God put Adam and Eve on this earth, what did he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply. In the perfect state of this world, children were supposed to be a part of it. 
Now, how that comes in line with what Jesus taught, I don't know. But what I am telling you this is, the Bible says that there are offspring and there are children. Someone's having kids. I don't know who. But I'm telling you something. You may not be one of them that's having it. Maybe the church, you know, we're done. We have no more human body. Maybe it's going to be something like that. I don't know. But here we're going to end it on this one. What kind of kingdom are you preparing to be part of? Are you learning to be fair judges? Or are you getting caught up on the one side or another? You're getting caught up with causes. Are we sold out for the cause of men or the cause of God? Can we be, say, be swayed by partial facts? When the news media comes on and they start spitting out their stuff, giving you the partial facts, does that get your blood boiling? Mm-hmm. If it does, you're not training for a judge. You're being swayed by partial facts. You should be learning how to hear the other side. Even though the media is going to slant everything, you should automatically be able to hear the other side or be listening for it. Well, I know that there's more to this than what I'm hearing. And you, you simmer down your emotions. You don't get fired up, so you're in training. I'm going to, God, I want you to see, I'm a good judge. You need a judge in the kingdom? I'm one you can depend, depend on. I'm not getting fired up by these partial truths. Do we panic or trust God? When we hit a situation and we need mighty God, do we panic? Or we sit back and just learn how to trust them. I'm in training. Are we sold out to learn his word? Or are we distracted with other things? Are we industrious? Or are we lazy? The more we learn about the, and we're not told a whole lot, but the more we can figure out about this millennial reign, the more I can get ready for it. So we showed you these scriptures so you could see the aspects, the traits of the kingdom that has come and I need to train up for that. I need to get myself ready because when God sets up his kingdom, I want him to look on me and say, that's someone I can use. That's someone who spent time getting ready. That's someone I can use in the area of justice, in the area of counsel, in the area of teaching, whatever it might be. It's someone I can use. Father, I thank you. We believe in the coming kingdom and that you are going to rule and reign with us. But here in this world, we need to prepare ourselves and get ourselves ready. And I thank you that you help us to do that. That we will be prepared and made ready. That the millennial reign will not surprise us. We will not be thinking things about the millennial reign that are not true. What you've told us in your word is all we really need to know. There might be more to know. But what you told us in your word is all we need to know for now. And we can get ready on the basis of that. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.